welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Paws and Presto. So without further ado, let's get going. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I uh, hope you're all well and you're busy. Um, we're joined today by Julia Fox, and we're going to be talking all about uh, Julia's VAT registration. Woo! Yeah, uh, has um, smashed uh, the last three years uh, running a salon on, on her own. Um, she runs Fur Fabulous Grooming in Bury St Edmunds and uh, reached out a few months ago regarding um, going VAT registered. So, um, we got her through it and got some support and Julia's gone gone for it and I thought it'd be really useful to get her onto the group and onto the podcast just to talk about her experiences so welcome Julia how are you how are you doing I'm good thank you how's everyone <laughs> I'm sure they're all probably like sweaty and like <laughs> loads, and loads of dogs because Christmas is just uh, the silly season isn't it they'll probably watch it later when they're home <laughs> yeah that's it that's it so um tell us a little bit about yourself how did you get into the, the grooming industry Oh my god! Um, I've actually been grooming nearly nineteen years now. This um, surprised a lot of people. Um, I first learned about dog grooming when my mum got a a Scotty and a Westie as a wedding gift, right. uh, and they needed haircuts. And I was like, "That's amazing!" I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and then my mum bought me these like the wild clippers. They wanted a little <laughs> a little lever on, and I used to trim them in the garden. Uh, <laughs> and from then, I just started to do. Like some friends and family's dogs in the house um and then i done a little bit of mobile when i started driving um i'd have um, a table and a dryer and i used to lug it around it was an absolute nightmare uh, and i did that aside from working so it was like a bit of pocket money uh, and then i started working full-time for some people um until three years ago and i moved moved to berry uh, well, I moved to Barry five years ago, actually. Um, I set up on my own um, three years ago. Wow. So yeah. you actually start. You, you did it a bit like uh, my wife, Emma. She started off in, in actually people's ha- houses. Yes. People's houses. And did you find that they were sort of behind you, sort of watching what you were doing? Oh, my God. It's a nightmare. And the dogs, where dogs play up more. Yeah. <laughs> you're so on edge. You're like, oh, please don't squeak or something. I've done something because the owner's going to be there at the, at the door going, what's happened? <laughs> You can just imagine taking a blaster dryer into their house and they're like standing in their kitchen blasting their dog. That wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, just gets everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be finding hair everywhere and all of their dinners for the next six months. And it's always people in the houses, they've got a really long drive or you've got to go upstairs and into flats. So that was an absolute nightmare. I don't recommend it. No, it is um, obviously it's something to consider, isn't it, when you're setting up? But, you know, Emma was um, turning up to people's houses they weren't in or, you know, they just leave the key under the mat and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's not very not very helpful. And I obviously um, you didn't struggle because um, you're having to drive everywhere, aren't you? Or having to yeah. drive around so it cuts down the amount of uh, work that you can do. Yeah, I've always seen it like that. You know, I, I love a busy salon. I love you know multitasking like I said I've got ADHD so I'm I'm very high energy I'm go 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 so busy grooming suits me really well um yeah I just did the odd, the odd, odd few really uh, on my spare on my days off really. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find your um your first grooming job uh I worked the Saturday girl um for a groomer for a little while um and then I moved on to someone for kennels and then she then she kind of left me to it a little bit um oh yeah yeah then I went out of grooming for a bit and just done um on the side still um I went for a pet shop and I thought oh, I really want to get into grooming I done a training day with someone for three days of poodles um and for pretty um and I asked for her for a job um and I went there and it was a very busy salon and I absolutely loved it mm, absolutely it. loved it <laughs> so did you start off just doing the bathing and prepping and then moved your way yeah, through? Yeah, um, because I'd done quite a bit of, um, I'm quite a lot of self-taught, um, so I'd done some trimming already. Um, so she got me bathing and drying and then she had me trimming and then she was like, actually, you can probably do a lot more trimming now. So she pushed me forward quite quickly and she got me through my exams. And what was that? Well. Sitting guilds? Uh, so I've done sitting, sitting guilds, yeah. I went um, externally. Um, also through apprenticeship scheme called Keats. I'm not sure if you heard of Keats. Yeah. Um, like, I, 
I put my staff through it as well. So um, Keats is very good for um, work-based apprenticeship scheme. Um, so yeah, I've done my, oh, I think I've done level two, level three animal care, and I've done customer service, which was a killer. <laughs> tedious, boring, <laughs> I've ever done in my life. I suppose but, you yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did you start by ICMG. You get into dog grooming because you want to deal with the dogs, not with the people, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> so you, yeah. um, I take it, you said you moved to Bury St Edmunds like five years ago. Was that what yeah. um, made you open your, your own place or how did that come about? Yeah, what was the um, aspiration? Yeah, I, I moved here with my partner at the time because um, he's moved his job. Um, so we decided to move this way. And um, I found a job for someone who wasn't a groomer and she set up um, a groomer salon in the back of her business, which was like a coffee shop and furniture shop. And she, it was all dog friendly. So she set up a, a salon on the back. Um, so I was working there. I, I literally ran it. You know, she didn't know anything about grooming. So I was running it all for her. Um, unfortunately, the rest of the business wasn't doing well and it had to close down. Um, so that really gave me the push to go, right, I've got, you know, I've got all these customers, you know, and they want me to do their dogs. Um, so, yeah, I, I found a premises and I moved in. And I must say, I was ready. I was more than ready to do it. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I can say. Um, and I don't regret not doing it any earlier because I really was ready for it. And I just hit the ground running. So you, you, you um, I'll take it you had to move premises or did you take over the coffee shop? Um, that was a really big, premises i couldn't take over that one uh, so it was just a small premises around the corner um a, f- a friend of mine violet slade who has russian black terrorism she passed away a couple of years ago um she um her and her husband lent me two thousand pound um to set it up so i set that business up for two thousand pounds um i already had a, a bath the bath i was using was my own bath i had a lot of equipment second equipment already um yeah and i, I had an ikea desk in the front of the salon <laughs> <laughs> no barrier. And I, it, when I started making money, I just started adding things in, you know, how, how I really wanted it to the point. I thought this is this is too small for me now. I love that because um, one thing I teach on our, our startup course is that you can you can do this with little resources. You know, yeah. you pay for your pay for your, your training, uh, your qualification, but you don't have to go out there and buy all of that equipment and buy those like awesome baths that are out there. You know, when yeah, we yeah. when when you and my wife started like 19 years ago, 16 years ago, this stuff didn't really exist, did it? No. So, um, you know, curves. I'm not sure curves scissors. Yeah, I didn't know about curves scissors probably. Till about mm, 2009 and I watched it um I was lent lent a a DVD of a groomer that was created groomer she's got Bichons Mm -hmm. and she had these like curved scissors and and she and she was flipping them that's the first time I saw about flipping scissors as well I was like oh my god this is awesome (laughs) you know all these um shampoos and all these products surrounded by you know the grooming industry has gone through a massive boom in the last sort of I remember it was all washing up liquid (laughs) we uh (laughs) we used um (laughs) we actually used used to use like a baby shampoo from a local supermarket it was so cheap and then we kind of the instructions at one point it said not for not for animal use or something like that or maybe we should change to an, an animal shampoo. But it was awesome. You know, it worked really well. But um, so what what's really interesting is that you can go out there with and what we call bootstrapping. You can go out there with limited resources and set up a really good, successful business because it's it's the product, isn't it? It's what comes out of that, out of your doors at the end of the day that the customers yeah. are worried about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think don't get yourself into debt. Don't get a huge loan and get a salon and spend all your money getting it all together. Um, and then you sit there think with all this debt and it's such a heavy weight over your shoulders. And um, I mean, I had 2000 pounds and I paid it off with the dog grooms. Yeah. With her. I was really fortunate with that. And, and like I said, once I started making some money, then I would buy something else for the business. Yeah, that's it. So grow, grow your business and you can do your, I mean, I don't know if you've seen pictures of our shop, but it's only been the last couple of years where we've really accelerated the changes in the shop. We're putting the, the cladding up and doing the proper flooring when we've had a bit of money come into the shop, you know, and then upgraded the bath. We had a, a normal, what I call human bath for yeah, I've years, seen that. years with like a bit of concrete in the bottom to make it non-slip, you know, we just had an imaginative yeah. father-in-law that was like, wait, do with this can't you so you don't have yeah, to yeah obviously 
because <laughs> uh, I've moved premises um, this year um, and now I'm on 700 square feet premises. Um, and I, and that, was, that was, yet again, terrifying thing to do on your own. I'm, you know, I'm single. I want to be on my own. Um, and I put a lot of money into it. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to start off, especially the reinforcement stuff like flooring to me. Changing flooring when you've already got a running business salon is a nightmare because you're going to have to get everything out there. So to me, that that was quite a big thing I wanted to make sure I got in. So the big, big things like the, the walls putting up and the plumbing, the electrics, um, any sort of like permanent barriers. I wanted those things in now because that's it. They're, they're done. Mm. Um, so anything else like I've just got a hydro bath now, but I made sure I had um, all the plumbing and everything there ready for the hydro bath when I got it. Yeah. Um, but I would like to, but I'll have one for now. Um, you know, those kind of things, like I'd like to get a drying cabinet. Yet again, what was more important is that I had the flooring down. I can get a drying cabinet another time. Yeah, that's it. And you've learned as well from having your own, your first place, what would you improve next time? And you took that opportunity as well, haven't you? So, yeah. Yeah, we went through loads and loads of lino, year after year of replacing bloody lino. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> you know, that's one thing from working in other salons beforehand. I've seen a lot of things that what, what works and what doesn't work. Mm. Uh, and like the raised platform flooring as well, it gets under there and that ends up rotting through as well and have to be replaced. Yeah, I think they took they took the uh, the floor up in our in our place, and the, all the water goes into one corner at the very front, and uh, hence where we got so we had like quite a lot of issues in that corner, and there must have been like fifteen years worth of hairy, mouldy water in there from. Oh, you get like brown gunk. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? But no, it's, it's it's good that you know you just learn, don't you? And you learn at what what works, what doesn't work, and what you want to invest your money in, and and when you get your I actually think when you get your your premises looking and feeling nice, you know, it also lifts your your brain, your business brain, and your mood, and it's like nice to come in. Yeah, I want you look nice when the customers walk in as well. You know, so like reception area, mine's quite open plan. I've got um, double glazing doors going to the bathroom, so it locks the the noise out. People can see through, and I can see through what's going on in there as well. Uh, You know, and I want people to come in and go, oh wow, this is really nice. You know, yeah. you've actually got your wards up um, and your rosettes. Um, I was always known for my window displays in the other salons. So that's something I wanted to bring in here as well. So just change them seasonally. It keeps people a bit more interested and change things around. Uh, you know, I mean, that's really important for it to, people to go and go, oh, my wow, well, this is really nice. And they see what they're paying for then as well. Yeah, that's what that brings us on yeah. to another really uh, important thing, isn't it? Like your branding and your, you know, what who you are in your shop, and then that enables you to charge more for your for your. Yeah, product. yeah, I want to be a high end salon. Some people just want to be a country salon, just want to do it from home, and you mm. know that's fine. There's a market for all of us, mm. but to me, I like the more high end, glamorous things. That's why I'm called Fair Fabulous. I've got, you know, I can't be called Fair Fabulous and just work from a shed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like a palace when you walk into my salon now. Now, someone <laughs> someone put into my group um, a few weeks ago. You know, why why do people always um, want to pay the thirty five pound grooms? And it was a bit of a longer post than that. And I kind of went back with a question. Was like, well, what do you ask for? You know, what do your customers expect from your business? And that leads me into like what you're saying about creating that palace or that that luxury experience. Do you think that there are kind of price brackets so you've gone beyond that 35 pound groomer you know you no longer touch those kind of you know i don't want to sound rude about customers but you no longer touch those kind of dogs you're not a 35 pound groomer anymore you've gone up to the next sort of price bracket and how does that relate to your area because we also see a lot of people saying well people wouldn't pay that in our area what was your what's your experiences around that if if we just revert it's the clothing there are people that will pay ridiculous amount of money for designer clothing. Mm. And there's people that would only happy just to get something from Tesco or Primark. You know, and that's everywhere. No matter where you are in the country, there'll be people in that village that would only go and buy expensive branded clothing and some that only will get the cheaper clothing. Mm. You know, is dog groomers the same? Yeah. You get what you ask for. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Some people just some people like a more expensive service, you know. And I, it, people think they some people think they're getting more quality if they're paying more as well. You know, yeah. You know, I've got horses, and if I had someone say to me, I, I pay seventy five pound every six weeks for my horse to have her shoes done, 
Um, if I had a ferry cut to this, on my ferry charge of sixty pound, I'd be like, is he really doing a good job though? <laughs> That's it, because you want that that money for you means quality, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, if he's charging more, that means my ferry knows his worth. He knows yeah. his worth, he knows his quality, and I see him, he takes pride in his work as well. And he he is really good. But she's something like that is really important, a horse's feet. You know, it's like the same with grooming. We're just going to take a quick break to mention our sponsor, Paws and Presto. Our pet grooming business uses Paws and Presto towels and have found them to be more absorbent when drying dogs, quicker to wash, quicker to dry, and they take up less room in the salon. They also weigh less than normal towels when wet and come in a wide range of colours. To find out more, visit pawsandpresto.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. So where you've, um, it'd be interesting to, you know, where you've been grooming before to where you are now, is there a big change in demographic? You know, what's the areas like? Would, would like people say, well, you know, I want to get over this, this belief that people won't pay more for their grooming because of the area they live in. And uh, sometimes I sort of say, well, people still drive like expensive cars. They still have designer clothing, no matter where they are. So I want to get over this. I want to get the industry yeah. over this misconception that because i live in x village or x town they won't pay y for my for my prices for my yeah price. i think everyone just really worries and it is it's, it's all about the unknown it's mm. all about the unknown uh especially if this is our livelihood as well but people will people will and have you um how have you embraced that how have you taken your prices have your prices changed a lot from when you were um in your old salon to now where you are in your new salon yeah, I mean, it evolves anyway over time anyway, price and structure anyway. Um, and I think a lot of the thoughts on grooming prices is a bit Stone Age still. Some people, some people still should be charging a lot less, you know, still charging £35. They were a few years ago and still charging it now. You know, prices are going up all the time. I mean, you just need to keep up with it. Um, yeah, you know, working in busy salons anyway, you see what, you, what the worth is. Mm. Um, get that the right price doing less is more as well I'd rather charge the right price and really have the time to put into my clients and, and the grooms that I'm doing than charge a, a cheaper price be extremely busy and extremely stressed and, and not producing work that I want to produce yeah that's it that's it be more expensive so you have more time to deliver a better product to your customers yeah 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 like it and um, so you you opened up your for a fabulous salon it was a smaller salon wasn't it and uh did you have did you take on members of staff or yeah 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 i got two members of staff Ooh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> how did you find these people did you do apprenticeship um, or? no i what the really good ones i found of girls that are doing um grooming at college that are looking for work experience mm-hmm. um i don't take work experience unless they are doing grooming um and um, natasha um, she, when I first opened Fair Fabulous, she came to me for that and she started voluntary. Um, and she's, she's been with me ever since. And now she's my manager. Um, yeah, because they, they're girls, they want to do it. And they come in for like a day with me. Oh my God, I've learned so much more in a day here than I have the last few months I've been at college. Because it's a real working environment. Yeah. Um, and those girls want to do it. Um, and same as my bar for now, Louisa. She's joined me um, earlier in the year. Um, and she works at college and she's come here now and she's both of them passed their exams with its distinctions um and, and they want to stay on and they want to work for me so you look after your staff they'll look after you as well cool so these are probably sitting guilds yes yeah because they want they want the work experience don't they they want you to go out yes. and do so much work experience yeah and it's surprisingly actually quite a lot of the the, the girls in i say girls that's a um, students students in college they, they don't really go for the work experience a lot of them don't and that's a bit sad I think they should they should push it a lot more for them to find work experience and a lot of groomers should be considering it taking them on as well yeah and you know that again that's another question that gets asked a lot how to find um groomers for the salons I think a lot of people get busy really quickly and they want to take on extra staff you know and I've I've gone down the we've, we did the apprenticeship route but then there's another option for people isn't there going mm-hmm. down the um you know the work experience route I think it's hard to to take on good experienced groomers because a lot of them have got their own their own businesses set up haven't they yeah and that's always the worry as well when you when you do take someone on if they're just going to leave 
um, and take the clients with with them. Um, so have a concrete um, contract. Yeah. So you know, if, if my girls leave, they can't operate within X amount of miles from the salon's location. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of rules on on there about taking clients and also staff as well. So you got your uh, your members of staff, and you obviously got really really busy really quickly, and then decided to, uh, to upgrade upgrade your premises. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was so stressful. <laughs> it was so stressful, and it, I think I was open probably a couple of months before it hit me. I thought, oh my god, I've done it. <laughs> you know, it took me quite a while. Oh my god, I've done it. So <laughs> trying to organise all the tradesmen and keep them in line is is, is so hard, um, and them to understand your vision and what you want as well. But now I sit back and someone goes, "That wall looks really cool. It looks amazing." So I got um, it's hard to explain. I designed wall which I created. I, I literally just drawn a bit of paper. I said mm. that's what I want, and they put it up. That's amazing. I designed it myself. <laughs> You know, you do feel a bit like that now. Um, but it took me a little while to, to hit because it was so stressful, but it is so worth it. Was it hard to find the premises that you've moved to? or? Um, I think there was a lot of um, premises available because of, of COVID, a lot of them. Mm. It's, it's closed down. Um, it's trying to find somewhere with the right location, um, what I found really difficult. Um, but, yeah, this, this was literally five minutes run, down the road from where I was. Um, there was parking for staff. I didn't have staff parking. My last place, I didn't even have customer parking. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has got customer parking as well. Uh, and the space is just so much better. Um, and I've got a security system door on as well. So no one can come in unless I physically let them in or buzz them in. So did you have like a criteria in your head as to what you wanted? I mean, it sounded like uh, were you on a high street beforehand and now you've come away from the high street or what's the difference? Uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit of an unusual one. It's just literally just off the town centre. Like I could walk to the town centre. It was just a row of houses and there was just a couple of shops, literally two, yeah. two little shops. Um, and it's been everything like little premises uh, because of the parking issue. But like I said, it was just a short walk from town. But because of grooming, people just stop outside, drop the dog off and jump in the car and go again. So it wasn't a really big issue, but I was on a road. Yeah. And it was a fairly busy road. Um, I'm being there two years. Uh, well, no, sorry, th- nearly three years. Um, I only had one dog get hit by a car. Right. Um, and that was the client put the wrong harness on the dog and the harness backed out of it. The do- dog backed out the harness. Um, but it's still scary because yeah, people aren't very clever. They have these harnesses on them that are too big and the collars that are too big and they're trying to drag the dog in. And yeah. <laughs> we've, had, uh, we've had cats turn up in people's arms before for cat grief. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you're, you're not going home without a cat basket or, you know. Yeah, I've given a cat basket away to someone before who's carrying their cat in. Yeah. Uh, I heard someone carry a cat in a handbag as well. She comes in with a handbag. <laughs> So scary, isn't it? Oh, it's all right. The cat will be fine. We don't know. No. <laughs> so that, that was forming part of your decision to move was, you know, somewhere a bit away from roads with some parking. and Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good to have a bit of, unfortunately, I don't really have road visibility, but I'm quite close. But the road visibility was really good because right. people drive past. Um, it, it was just come up to a little small roundabout. Um, so when they had queuing traffic there, people would look through the window and have a window display out. And I used to have people that didn't have dogs used to knock on the, knock on the door and go, I don't have a dog, but I just want to say, you always have so much joy to see your window displays every time. I can't wait to see what you always do next. So it was hard to pull away from that because I really enjoyed providing that for the community. Yeah. Um, but I still have my window displays where I am now. Yeah, yeah. But you just have to up your um, marketing on social media and stuff like that so people know know that you're there, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So if I do a new window display, I'll, I'll put pictures or I'll do like a little video tour of it. This is our new window display now. Awesome. Yeah. So you moved, you moved to your, your big new premises, but this also meant that uh, you can take on more more work. Were you at absolute capacity at your place? or? Uh, yeah, I mean, we... We reined in a bit back because of COVID, because um, we had to structure customers coming in and out. It was a very, very small reception area. Um, so we did a couple less dogs the day to try and spread out and customers coming uh, and collecting. Um, and then when we got the bigger salon, I can let, let that go a little bit more and we can do a bit more. So it took a little while for that to recover. 
um, especially because the move, um, I didn't see a lot of clients for, for a few months because of, because of just we moved. <laughs> and I did lo- lo- lose some clients just because I moved five minutes down the road. They're so fickle. <laughs> but it's the way it is. And, but I'm constantly getting new clients, constantly. Constantly. <laughs> Excellent. And, you know, you just moved five minutes down the road and you're still picking up all these new people. So, you know, yeah. where, are they, where are they finding you from? Just from social media? I suppose or- yeah social media google um word of mouth is a big thing um to mark the, the move um i died and um, done a spiral on my dog so the salon's pink and green which sounds really <laughs> brisk but it's like a pastel colors um so i done him pink and green uh it's also got accident gold so i put some gold glitter on it um and the papers got a hold of it so they called me up and they did a I had an article on me with the picture of the dog. Um, so that kind of really pushed and promoted it forward as well. So if you can do something like that, that's going to get the media's attention, they will, you know, make article on you in the newspaper as well and get people talking. Yeah, think That's outside. why I've done it. Yeah, think outside the box. And, um, you know, we, we hammer on a lot, I suppose, about websites and uh, social media, but there are other avenues as well, isn't it? Such as the, yeah. as the media. Well, I'll take them out for a walk. I'll take them to pets at home. <laughs> and, and, and get people talking you know they'll say hello to them and, and, and you're like why did you do it and i'll say well i've just opened my new grooming salon yeah yeah and also a lot of the uh the newspapers you know they're on uh their editors and their their reporters or on twitter and stuff like that so you can actually go out and find them yeah it come up on facebook as well so uh, my friend saw it and she sent it to me and, and a lot of people were sharing it around yeah that's it that's it yeah they loved it <laughs> But with a bigger salon, obviously your overhead's a bit bigger, so you need to, to uh, earn some more money or, you know. Push, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Push yourself. Yeah. Did you increase your staff members or are you still? Is it the no, same? I'm, st- I'm still still on the two uh, at the moment. It's worked quite well because now, since moving, I now promoted Natasha to manager um, and she's at the point now where she can do full grooms and she can run a day now. Um, so I've, it's allowed me to step away a little bit doing the grooming competitions and I do dog showing as well um, so it's actually allowed me to step away a little bit and do a few things that I want to enjoy yeah go see your horse so, yeah and the horses uh, <laughs> and which has been absolutely amazing um, but yeah I'm coming VAT registered now as well um, I am still getting new clients in and we'll, we'll build up a lot more. It's just a, a little bit of adjustment from the move and the VAT um, with clients. But, you know, either way, you're going to lose clients, <laughs> but you're always going to gain some as well. So tell us about, um, you know, was VAT always something that you knew about? Was it on your on the radar or did someone like phone you one day, like an accountant saying, uh, do you know what's just about to happen to you? How did, how did it come about? <laughs> Um, well, actually, in my first year, I was um, pushing the back, really was pushing the back threshold, and I had to rein back so I wasn't going over, and it was extremely stressful. Um, so it's something that I did know about and had to have at the back of my mind. Um, yeah, and my accountant contacted me recently about it. She said, I know we were talking about VAT, where are you now? And I looked at it, and I thought, I'm going to hit it in January. Mm. I'm definitely going to hit it in January. Um, so we spoke about that at, I was absolutely terrified because October, I've just paid the last tradesman off for the salon being built. Um, so, yeah, I got in contact, got contact with you um, and you put me onto a YouTube um, clip with, do you know who it was? Helen, yeah. Helen. Um, and you put me on to talk to someone as well that become VAT registered. That was already VAT registered, but they're absorbing it. Um, and it is so terrifying to think I've got to put, this on top of my clients, shall I absorb some, shall I not absorb some? You don't know, you know, we don't know anyone that's done it before. Mm. Um, and thinking of it now, this is the way I see it. It's either I don't become VAT registered and I'm going to have to rein back my clients, probably lose clients to stay underneath it. So that way I'm losing clients. Or I become VAT registered. Yes, I'll probably lose some clients because I put money on top but I can gain more. See. So I'm going to grow. So last month, I came DVT registered 1st of November. Uh, last month, I had 15 new clients. And they're more than happy to pay. Paying the more new prices. 
yeah, they're a lot of them more than happy to pay. Um, and this month already, we've had 12 new clients. Yeah, so people will pay it. Um, I went straight thinking, oh, maybe I should just do 12% and absorb the eight. Um, and that's the notice I put out to my customers. I said, um, I put around 12% because I didn't want to say like an, an exact because not everyone's going to be at that. So clients that have gone, so I've now what I'm doing, if there's six weeks or less, I'll charge them in at 12%. If that dog then comes, they've gone longer and it comes in matted, then they get 20% because I'm not taking the hit for them, letting the dog go long. Um, and anyone else comes in at 20. Um, but looking back now, I probably would have just thought, just just go straight in at 20 because <laughs> Just go straight in at 20 because you're going to have to adjust it later because I worked it out. If I did nearly everybody at 12%, you're looking at 800 to to £1,000 loss a month that you're taking the hit. And they don't appreciate it. They no. don't They don't value appreciate you for it. And they don't. No, they don't. They <laughs> no. don't understand it. They don't even get it. No. No. So, I, and I, I was really surprised actually how many of my clients were very supportive over it. Um, I had a client give me a fist bump. <laughs> she was like, oh, well done. <laughs> you just charged me more money. I'm really happy for you. How weird. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I think I've only had a couple that have said, oh, that's more than I can pay. All you can say is, like, I understand that, but I'm in a position where I have to be back registered now. Um, you know, you just got to say, oh, I understand that. You just have to go somewhere else. You have to go somewhere else. A lot of them probably will come back. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I'd really like to explore that. Um, you said that you were trying to keep yourself under and how stressful that was. What what was causing that stress? And, you know, what was it like? Were you looking, having to look at the figures every day, every week, every month? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it got to the point where I thought, right, we're just going to have to go holiday for a couple of weeks. So you had to have physically shut to stop? Yeah, I was going to have to close and say we're on holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's something that I kind of explain to people, if if you're coming up to the VAT um, limit and you've got like three le- three months left of your financial year, what do you do? You know, you and then I, and I sort of put it to them and say, well, you're just going to close your shop. And they're like, no, I can't do that. I can't no, close. Over no, Christmas. Yeah, no, I had to. I, think, I knew before... Before it got to that point, um, so I kind of reined back in quite a lot. Well, I'm just going to have to do less bookings a day. Mm. You know, which, try to put them out a bit more. Which is then, um, you know, like, like you said, you're holding your business back, aren't you? You're yeah. you're capping and limiting your income because uh, your overheads will, I suppose your overheads will eventually sort of start catching up because, you know, prices go up, you know, cost of electricity, gas, minimum wage, cost of employers, employees, pension. So they all start going, like catching you up and you can't put your prices up because you start putting your prices up. You're then going to hit that VAT threshold again, aren't you? So you're in a real sort of, um, well, you're squashed. You're squashed in the middle all the time that you're trying to to stop your business from going over that threshold. You're kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah, I, you always feel you need to explain that to people as well. You, you, we shouldn't have to explain about putting our prices up. We no. shouldn't have to. Tesco doesn't. We just go in there. It's more expensive. They don't have notices going out three months in advance that they're going to be putting their prices up. They just do it. Same with fuel. That's it. They we just um, do it. You could probably go to some, uh, sometimes you could probably go to the same petrol station three times a week and they'll pay a different price up and down, couldn't you? So, and VAT is, um, I suppose we need to understand that the VAT that you're charging, so the money you're putting on people's prices, all you're doing is collecting it for the government. It's not actually going in your pocket. It's not your money, is it? No, no. And unfortunately, a lot of customers understand that. And I've had less people my customers for a fuss actually hardly any about the VAT increase and that increases you know probably around nine pounds some of them mm. um some more um but when I put my prices up September last year you know that was between three and five pounds I had more clients complain about that when I put prices up for myself <laughs> if I was putting it up for VAT they're like oh, all right then it's a, it's a completely different story for them, isn't it? God forbid I want to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
And what was the um, what was the the sort of the fear that you had was basically that everyone was just going to walk away and and leave. Yeah, because I, I was already. T- I've just done just you know I've just spent probably what over two thousand pounds you know in this move in the salon. And I thought, I can't afford, I'm really losing that. I really can't afford to lose more because of the VAT. And it's another stress on top. Um, and it's, it's the not knowing. Mm. It's the not knowing what's about and what you should be doing. Um, I'm very fortunate that my, my accountant is incredibly supportive. Um, and I've got a meeting with her this afternoon. She's going to go through exactly what I should need to be doing and break it down and make it easy and simple for me. And if I'm ever worried about anything, I could just give her a call. Yeah, and that's really help. nice. That's really nice to hear that um, you've got an accountant that is—they're like your critical friend of your business, aren't they? Yeah. They—they're just like having an employee. You know, they are a critical friend who should be able to give you uh, that advice when you need it, and to be able to break it down for you as well. Into yeah, find the right one. I think that's probably the hardest thing. You know, and my my accountant's you know an older lady, and she's quite mumsy, and I like that. <laughs> So I look after you. I think I need looking after. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, perhaps you can just uh, explain it in how you understand it, how how it all works, and how you're going to go forward with it. Like you're charging it, and then what do you do with it? Um, so um, I've got a point of sale software, um, and I can put that twenty percent in that. So when our customer gets a receipt, it will say 20%. It actually says tax because it's American, but it, that is my VAT. Um, so that, I find, makes it really easy for me because it just calculates it all. So at the end of the week, um, actually on a Monday, I will pull up my records for that week. Um, so I'll just put in that week, and it will tell me exactly how much that I've taken. Um, so then I'll put that then into a savings account so it's ready um, for when I need to pay it. And that is so important. You know, we don't mess with this money. It's not our money. You know, that's the best way to think about it. It's not our money. We don't spend it. We don't mess with it. And um, I know people, well, I know people that do spend it. And then that's where the the fear really kicks in because you haven't got it at the quarter to pay it. So you're, you're putting it to one side. It sits there. And then every quarter, you're going to just pay it to the government and get rid of it, aren't you? Yeah. And that is so important that you uh, take control of that and don't let it, don't let it, uh, don't spend it. <laughs> no, no, that's it. No, exactly. <laughs> so important, you know, because I suppose that's one of the fear, isn't it, about how do I pay the VAT? Well, actually, the money's there. You're collecting yeah. that money every day. So when, like you said, you've got that system that works it out for you. So you can just look at it and say, right, this is how much it's, it's building up. I can just put it into my little savings pot there, can't I? And then, yeah, it's the same one my tax goes into, so just... Oh, exactly. And then your accountant's going to go through with some stuff with you today just to... Because um, because you've gone VAT registered, you need to go onto a, a system like QuickBooks or Xero or some free agent. Yeah, Sage. Mm-hmm. Sage. Because um, they're making tax digital, so now you just... You literally connect it to the government and you tell the government how much you're you're paying. And this is the scary bit, <laughs> I often think, is it's all down to us. You know, yeah. we, we tell the government what, what we owe them and then we pay it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you, you've got to hate it in some respects because actually we're putting all the work in for them to get the money. Yeah, but how much trust is there as well? You know, they're like, how much VAT do you owe us this month? Well, actually, we've worked it out of this, and this is, and here you go. I mean, it's just we've been paying VAT for for many, many years. You know, thousands of thousands of pounds, and they just kind of just take it on trust, don't they? I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but do make sure you you know everything you can claim back for VAT. Do claim it. Um, I've got a a van through the business now, so um, that helps out quite a lot. You know, yeah, I've got finance on that. And the fuel on that, you know, I take it to grooming competitions, I take it to dog shows. That's all promotional. Yeah. You know, um, so that I put it all through the business. That's right. And again, that's that really uh, vital relationship you've got with your accountant where, right, what can I do to to make myself more tax efficient? What can I, I do with my business to make it more tax efficient? And they'll give you that advice, won't they? And- Especially if you can find a way to just fit into your personal life as well. I say personal life, like, like the, the competitions are a, a hobby. Mm-hmm. I claim the fuel going there, I'll take the van, I claim the van doing it, you know, and actually the entry fees and, you That's know, it. everything like that for it. Yeah. 
get everything you possibly can to go through your business. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I know people out there that have got mobile phones which their business aren't paying for. I'm like, come on. Even my bookkeeper yep. said to me, your phone's not going through your business. Well, it's actually going through another one. She's like, oh, okay. But she was like nudging me going, come on, you can you can spend a bit more through your business now. You can get your phone. Yeah, I've got a contract phone through my business. Yeah. There's so much things you can do. So... So you hit your hit your magic eighty five thousand this month. Yeah, I think I'll I'll hit it probably the end of the month, beginning of next month. And then what? Where do you think you'll be this this time next month? Uh, who knows? This time next <laughs> month. 100, 150, 180. Yeah, that'd be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be doing double what I am now. You know, I've got enough room in that salon that I can have four trimming tables in there. Um, so I've always thought I wanted two hydro baths and I can have two teams of two, you know, 10, that's 10 dogs per person. That's my, that's my major goal. So 160,000 turnover, more staff? Yeah, yeah. So if anyone is in the Bury St. Edmunds and they're doing their work experience, they can come in there. <laughs> on your door and uh keep keep your business going you know keep keep pushing through do you offer any uh along with grooming do you offer any uh add-ons and stuff like that um well i've got um nail filing um i do as add-ons but um i don't really have anything else really that's something i will be looking into yeah. more now your teeth cleaning yeah do you know what it's the first time i've had i've had two clients i think this week asking about any pet and where are they finding this? Where are they finding this information out? Oh, I no idea. I have no idea. I'm not sure they've seen it. Might, they may have seen it online. I imagine on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, we're probably teeth cleaning for us has just gone gone crazy, uh, and we're really pushing pushing the prices as well with it as well. So it's another another string to your bow. Get people in for teeth cleaning, and then um, spa treatments as well. Are you kind of that kind of groomer or? Yeah, again, that's something I'll be probably looking into as well. Yeah. I just need this to kind of like one stress at a time with me. Get <laughs> 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 Christmas thing, over and done with. Let um, things yeah. down. Yeah, I'm looking to probably upgrade all my shampoos now as well, especially because the hydro bath saves me so much on shampoo. But, yeah. well, okay, instead of just carrying on like that, let's upgrade my shampoo and make a big deal about it. Yeah, that's it. So that sell the results to the clients. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's been really, uh, really good having you here and uh, dispelling the the fears and the myths around. Uh, yeah, I, I, just, uh, just a quick one on deposits as well because I take deposits for clients. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I take thirty five pound deposits for four grooms and twenty pound deposits for baths. So anything over under thirty pound, I'll take a twenty pound deposit for. Um, and that has made it a lot easier with the, the being VAT registered because it breaks the payments up into two. Yes. Um, so I haven't changed my deposit amount because I feel £35, I think, is enough for someone to think seriously about coming up for their appointment. Yeah. So instead of a, you know, they're coming in and they're paying £52 for a groom, they're paying their £35 deposit, and when they're actually coming in, they're only paying £17. So it doesn't seem to them like it's that they're paying like such a huge amount. Yeah, you're separating it out because they might have paid that yeah. deposit a few weeks ago or a month ago, and then uh, they're coming in paying the full bill or the rest of it. Yeah, but yeah, again, saying that since taking deposits, I have so many people pre-book now. I have so many, so many appointments ahead now. I mean, I think I've got a few days in January. I'm completely full already. Yeah, probably a week or so, completely chock a full because of pre-bookings. People will just pay their full groom and they roll the deposit over to the next appointment. So you recommend rolling the deposit over? Yeah. So I only roll the deposit if a client will book when they come and collect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want someone to say, oh, can, you, can I keep my deposit and I'll call you later to rebook it? Because it's just going to give confusion. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not going to remember. I've got hundreds and hundreds of clients. I'm not going to remember. Um, yeah, it's worked really, really well for me. And how are you with no-shows? I take it, is it completely got rid of no-shows for you? Because that's a big topic at the moment. A couple of times, but then you kind of think, oh, well, <laughs> I've got 35 quid for it. <laughs> so even with the deposit, you're still getting the, the no-shows? yeah you still will yeah you still will I, I am a bit brutal with it if someone because my policy is if they cancel within 48 hours so the day I say I say 48 hours what I actually mean is the day of the appointment or the day before 
Mm -hmm. uh, anytime before then, oh, you can roll it over to another appointment. Um, but for whatever reason, if they can't come in, I don't care what the reason is, because you've put that time out, I'm not going to be able to fill it. They don't get it refunded. I, I don't refund it. That's it. We we make a promise, don't we, to our to our customers that we're going to be there. We're going to be ready. We're going to have the staff. We're going to have the equipment. We're going to have the you know the the shampoo ready for that pet's appointment. So that's our commitment to them. So we need. To you be know, it's, it's not just that, but it's the time you actually take to book in clients and speak to clients. That's your time. That's mm. your time that you've stepped away from someone's dog grooming to actually take that phone call, and, and that costs. That should cost. Yeah, for that time, and a lot, especially new clients, you you invested a bit more time into them, and you know, especially new puppy owners or cockapoo owners, um, you know, they want a lot more reassuring on the phone. That's you know, it. that takes it's time. That's an interesting one. That you you find uh, certain dogs come with certain owners. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave that one there. <laughs> yeah, the, the cats are a completely even different ball game. Cat people, my goodness. <laughs> Tell me about your cat grooming because you know I meet a lot of um, pet groomers and they're 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 flat out with dogs. You know they're they're like Bill, I'm I'm so busy, uh, I I don't know what to do, I'm really overwhelmed and stressed. And we're like, right, let's let's think about this. It's not always about the dog grooming. We can add services onto our onto our business like the add-ons, like the spa and the teeth. And how about cat grooming? And a lot of people are like, whoa, don't do cats, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But you obviously you do do cat grooming. I take it. Yeah, yeah, because I used to run a salon um, in, the edge, in London and we did a lot of cats then as well. So I've been growing cats for quite a while. Um, so I've actually just put one day a month mm -hmm. and that is a cat day. So I don't have, really have any dogs in, which a lot of cat people quite like. Yeah. Um, and you can just kind of pace it out more than thinking, I've got to get this cat done so I've got dogs coming in. Yeah. Uh, so it does get a bit more lower tone. Um, so I find that works really well. Uh, there's definitely a call for it. Not many people do it. There's you more know, cats than there are dogs in the world, I believe. And I've got a very good relationship with my vet. Um, and I'd also know other vets as well that recommend me for cat grooming. Um, there's just no one else that, that does it around here. I've had people travel like 45 minutes for me to do their cat because there's no, never near them. And this um, price-wise for cats, where are you going at? My uh, cats start at £50. Start fifty and go up. I mean, for a full clip off. Oh, that's, that's that's not including VAT. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but think about that. That's not including VAT. So that's, now it's fifty pound plus VAT. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so actually, for for a full clip off cat, it's usually around seventy pound plus that. Yeah. Uh, it's a forty five to pound deposit for cats. Nice. So, yeah. I, I must say. Before when doing cats, especially in London, you get the phone call in the morning. I can't find my cat. I can't find my cat anywhere. Um, I, I don't have that problem anymore for some reason. No, funny <laughs> enough, you catch the cat before yeah. it leaps out the window. Yeah, they, they show up. <laughs> they shut the window overnight. <laughs> cats, um, cats can take. Uh, don't often take as long as dogs, do they? And you. No. Can Definitely charge. Um, and you should, because it's danger money. Yeah. <laughs> so I always have two people to do a cat anyway, so you have to consider that's actually two people working at the same time. So that's double the amount of wages you're, you're paying yeah. Um, for. Yeah, and we've got the new um, qualification come out as well. So uh, I would really encourage people to embrace it. Uh, yeah, some people aren't just aren't cat people, but you know, don't don't close your eyes to it. It's, there's uh... yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a cat person. You know, I love animals. I love them all. I wouldn't own a cat. I think they're no. horrible. It's <laughs> not really for me. I'm definitely a dog person. Uh, but you know, they're good money. They are. They are good money. They are good money. And when you look yeah. at our when you look at our daily total. Our, so we do have uh, we have separate rooms for dogs, and we can take cats in, and we leave them in the you know we put them in the cat room. Um, so we do really good daily totals, like when we've got a mixture of dog grooms, teeth cleaning, nail nail trimming appointments, and cat grooming. When we've got that mixture in the in the salon. You know our our price our take home is really really high. It's really a really good mm. mixture of things to put through your put through your day sort of thing so it's certainly something to consider cat grooming yeah yeah and don't be afraid to talk to your cat, cat clients as well I've got, you know cats are so unpredictable um and i've got one that just increasingly got more and more aggressive to be groomed um and instead of saying i'm not doing the cat anymore 
I've just spoke to the client. I said, look, maybe it'll be worth going to the vet and see if you can get karma or mm-hmm. something. And, and and they did. And she was brilliant. And I must say the cat was a lot better. Yeah. So if you can work with them. Well, there's things like fell away um, plugins and um, yeah. I've, I work with a cat groomer who um, uses catnip, you know, um, has like catnip around the cat while she's grooming it out just to relax it and keep it interested. All sorts, all sorts of techniques. There's so many more different cat grooming tools now as well. The air, yeah, muzzle, the air muzzle is probably a must. Yeah, it was a, a hamster ball. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is this contraption, but it does save your fingers. I, I must say, actually, I, I used that in London and I had to have some cats to get out of it. Um, but I have a, I've not had to have it over here. I've not had to buy one. That's good. Yeah, I've not had to have it. I'm going to pin them down. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> You've got, so, you do any... you got to be so careful with cats. You have to be so careful. That's it. I did a talk with Sarah, who um, she she offers the cat grooming qualification, and and it isn't something that you just go out. I'm a dog groomer. I'm now going to go and do cats. They are a completely different animal yeah. to to groom and to deal with and to handle. Um, so there is a real need to get some education. Yeah, and I do believe as well. You can't just get into grooming and do cats straight away. I think you need to be grooming for a little while before you start on cats. Mm. They have a completely different skin type, you know, different issues, different problems, different coats. Um, but but they are a really good, um, you know, animal to get to get into and a service to offer. Yeah, yeah. I, I think having me doing them actually once a month, I then actually get cats that rebook. Yeah. Instead of them thinking, oh, I can call up and get in next week, they have to wait until I've got my next cat day. So I do actually have quite a lot of cats that come in an eight week rotor. Yeah, or yeah. some that come in every every month. Yeah, definitely have monthly cats. You know, mm. some of them just they just can't keep on top of their fur, or, mm. or uh, the parents don't want to keep on top of their fur. So that's yeah, and they're leaving to get to the point where they're in the mess, and then it's more stressful for the cat. Mm. You know, I do have one that comes every month now because that cat get, used to get really aggressive. So now I can just do do one area for a bit, you know, and if he gets fed up, I know he's going to come in next month, and I can do the next area. Yeah. <laughs> And how about rabbits? Oh, I don't have the call for it. I no. have done rabbits before a couple of times, but I don't really get a huge call for it. No, we've got a few. We've got um, some giant rabbits on our books, but we haven't got loads. But again... Yeah, long-haired guinea pigs as well. <laughs> yeah. So you could get into some uh, creative grooming with guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> we, we digest. We... Uh, we're going to say goodbye and I'm going to say a massive thank you for um, coming welcome. and sharing your experiences with us. It's only going to serve to help other people that are that are coming up towards that VAT threshold or are hovering around it and just don't know what to do. Are you happy for them to reach out to you? And Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't be scared. Just do it. Just, you know, one thing that I wanted with this group, and uh, I think it's working, is that we um, we find and speak to people that are doing it or have done it so that we can get that advice rather than speaking to our mate down a pub that says it's going to destroy your business and don't do it sort of thing. Yeah, like I said, if you don't do it, you're going to lose clients. If you do do it, you're going to lose clients. Either way, you're going to lose some clients. So you might as well do the one where you lose some and then you can gain some more. That's it. And you, I think you already said you've got about 20, 24, 25 customers since yeah. um, going VAT with you. And these people are paying your new higher prices, which is. Yeah, I said, like, oh, it's that much. Oh, that's fine. Okay, no problem. I'll book in. I'll pay the deposit. That's it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, no problem at all. I'll let you know when it's all out on the, on the podcast. All right. Take care.